welcome to the Well Season Librarian Podcast. This is Season 9, Episode 15. I was very pleased and excited to be able to talk to Yumi Kamatsudura. She is the author of the new book, Japanese Superfoods. One of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to her was I had received a copy of Japanese Superfoods and I was very, very excited and enthused about the book. The book is a combination of many different types of books um, in one big super book. Firstly, it's a book about health foods um, from Japanese cuisine. And um, it has a lot of really great, wonderful information about seaweed and other types of Japanese foods that are good for you and why. And it's very well outlined. So it's it's really good health food book. It's also a really excellent book on Japanese cuisine in general. And it has a lot of great information and recipes on how to cook classic Japanese recipes. Thirdly, it's a wonderful gourmet uh, cookbook. Uh, the recipes in here are elegant and uh, something you'd get in a very fancy restaurant, but also simple. And um, lastly, it's just an all-around great book for learning new cooking technique. Um, a lot of great techniques in here. And I really am very excited about you know having you hear about this book because... Um, it's just, you know, it ticks off all my boxes on everything. I think a classic, wonderful cookbook should be. I honestly believe that if there's any awards for books this year, um, this should win it because it's that good. So without further ado um, or any more gushing, I'm going to take you to my conversation with Yumi Kamatsudura uh, with her new book, Japanese Superfoods. Here we go. See I really want to thank you for the opportunity to invite me to talk. And thank no, thank you for being here. I really, I really so appreciate this, and you did this all in such short notice too. And I really am very grateful. I want to say, I, so I got the cookbook yesterday. Oh, what, yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it is so good. I'm really impressed yeah. by it, and I also say, like as somebody who likes to cook, and I do all the cooking for my family, I'm really very eager. I can't wait to like get in and start using some of the um, recipes. And I can't wait to, to get in and start like cooking with, with some yeah. of this. You've reminded me how much I love seaweed. And I haven't had seaweed in a long time. And I'm thinking oh. I, I got to go now I got to make a trek to go to some stores and buy it and start cooking with this cookbook. So you've inspired me. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's the highest compliment. <laughs> thank you. you no, know, it's 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 great when you get a new cookbook. I mean, I'm sure as somebody who likes to cook, you, you have this where mm -hmm. you open a cookbook yeah. and you and you start looking at it and it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> I want to do this. So it's, yeah, totally. it's exciting. Yes. I'm a cookbook junkie myself too. I, I love yeah, so you know. all kinds of different cuisines and I love to experiment and you know, buy all these different spices that I know I only probably use one time, but I have to have it. You know, you're the same way, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could tell you love cookbooks by your cookbook because you can tell when you read somebody's cookbook if they love cookbooks or not. And yours is one of oh, the really? ones where I could tell immediately that you like cookbooks. Oh, my God. But, you know, my favorite cookbook section are my mother's uh, little libraries. And every time I go to see my, my parents, I had to sneak a little bit here and there, you know, all this like a front page all destroyed, stains everywhere. But he tells yeah. the story about 
how many dishes she'd been cooking for us and you know what's the tweak that she had been making over the years become one of our signature dishes and you know what i mean it's it's oh yeah heartwarming a process of you know opening up the cookbook and try to recreate your own way you know do you follow uh, absolutely <laughs> no i understand like i i look at my mother gave me a cookbook that she had when i was young and I don't really use it much. It's it's old recipes from like the Mad Men era. Yeah. You know, the 60s, mm -hmm. like where, you know, women were all in the kitchen cooking and men were at work, blah, blah, blah. And so <laughs> it was oh, like that. Uh -huh. But I still love it. And I still love to go back and look at the recipes. I don't really use it, but it's so fun. And it brings back lots of memories and nostalgia. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I love it. Yeah. You like the um, bookstores, too, I imagine. Oh, I love, yeah, I've worked in them. Um, I, I've been oh, yeah, an yeah. assistant manager yeah. in a bookstore. I, I, I work in a library, so I, I love being around books. I love, like when people come to the library and they want books, they want recommendations. I'm like, oh, I get so excited. And especially when they want cookbook recommendations, I'm like, almost leap over the counter. <laughs> like I can't, <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, I will help you. Mm, that's great. By the way, I love your podcast name. It really strikes Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. Nobody has your name, right? Yeah, I wanted something that was really corny and, and catching and sticking people's heads. So it is actually, I start talking about to my friend about the name of your podcast because it's just very unique. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's very, it's very corny, but it's, it, yeah. I, I have fun with it. And I, I've had so much fun doing it. I feel like this has been one of the best parts of my life, getting to talk to cookbook authors wow, um, and, and chefs and, and just everybody in the cooking world. It's been mm -hmm. such a fabulous, wonderful gift for me. It's been the best part of my life. Yeah. And I also check your website and then you have quite recipe section, like all these dishes you created with the picture. Thank this you. I'm not very good at it. Though. I, I, I don't write cookbook recipes. I mean, I don't write recipes too much anymore because I've been around so many good people that do it so well. It's kind of humbling. So <laughs> oh my I God. need to work at it. I need to work oh, at no, it. No, no, you're wonderful. That's great. I, I see your love for cooking and good food. And I'm so honored to talk to you today. Yeah. Thank you. It's I've just ever since I got the email initially, I've been so excited. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the cookbook yesterday was so exciting because Thank I just, you. I'm like, I want to try this. 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 And it's like, just, it opened up a whole new world and it's just, I can't wait. And then I also like, I remember a few years back, um, mm -hmm. I used to go to a um, grocery store mm -hmm. that had a lot of um, items from Japan and I found some seaweed soup. And I remember I was not feeling very well. I was very sick and um, mm -hmm. I, I drank some of the seaweed. I had some seaweed soup and I drank it. And I remember just almost immediately feeling better. Yeah. And so it became like a go-to for me when I was feeling sick or down. And now I, I think I need to kind of bring that back and go find it again and mm -hmm. get some seaweed to make soup with. Because I think it, looking at the health benefits that you've wrote, wrote about in your book, yeah. I'm thinking this really has to be part of my diet now. I have to change my diet. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about dashi, I imagine. Yeah. Soup? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one of my most favorite food in the whole white world. It just really yeah. nourishing you from inside out makes you feel so calm and peaceful, but it's really nourishing inside out. It's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just and I think there's kind of a renaissance now with seaweed. People are starting to sell it in um, farmers markets, and stores mm -hmm. are selling it more now. You can find it more easily now than you could when I was young. Oh uh, yeah, especially California. I think people people have more open-minded, more uh, plant-based driven mindset because uh, you know seaweed is one of the few plant-based food containing both uh, DHA and EPA. So omega-3 yeah. is very important nutrients for boosting your brain functions and reducing inflammation and also promote uh, healthy gut. So it's, um, you know, if you have access to sea vegetables, it's, it's a wonder food, you know, it's, and. Well, yeah, your, your cookbook really highlights that. I was reading the list of um, nutrients and the essential um, things in, in seaweed and I was really shocked because I hadn't realized that there was so much there in seaweed. Mm -hmm. I, I think most people aren't aware of this in yeah. America at least. And it really is like, like you say, a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just the name seaweed, you know, it's, I, I tried to say yeah. vegetables. <laughs> it's like a land vegetable, but more nutrients because of the, the, you know, ocean goodness, the minerals, the vitamins and all the goodness. And then also one of the, a lot of people don't know about seaweed is that one of the highest um, protein that you can consume through eating sea vegetables. That's, that's like, uh, if you don't eat meat or eggs, it's, it's a great source to add it to your diet, you know? And it's literally yeah. easy to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've seen in your cookbook, it is. And I just, mm -hmm. such a kind of no brainer to be able to kind of make some <laughs> of that, you know, and just make, kind of make, incorporate it in your diet on a daily basis even. I don't think it'd be very hard at all. Yeah. I, I was lucky because I grew up in the business, you know, right. ever since I was born, it's sea vegetable is right there in front of me so yeah. i didn't really think much you know um special when it comes to nutritional value and all that it's just right there in my reach so i've been snacking since i was little my mother didn't really give me sugary um you know candies or chips but instead um i get the you know piece of kombu for instance i just you know, eat like a candy <laughs> or, um, you, you know, have you ever tried the, the piece of kombu just, just to taste? Yeah. 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 When um, we made, um, broth and stuff, I just tried it and it, it tasted, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, that's one of the nice things about it. I mean, it is a health food. Sure. But it also is very tasty. Yeah. I mean, I could, I would even eat it if it wasn't healthy. I'd be like, I, I could still eat this because it's, it tastes good. It's like a lot of people are starting to put it as a flavor agent mm -hmm. in food now right yeah definitely and then also the the taste is really now people talk about that's what's umami you know it's the source of glutamate found in kombu but also glutamate that we know about is uh you you see mother's breast milk contains glutamate which yeah. i recently uh, discovered maybe past 15 years and uh you know when i feel like really tired of feeling a little bit, um, you know, lift up my spirit. I always wanted to have a big bowl of soup with a miso, yeah. miso paste. It's just the broth that you're talking about. And it's just making me feel 
so good and so peaceful. I didn't know why, but then I start learning about this all over again, and I discovered that the mother's bill's milk, a uh, breast milk, contains an amount of glutamate found in kombu. So we have knowing we have been knowing this kind of calm effect through, you know, consuming these things gives same kind of peacefulness when you when your baby, you know. So I, I just I just thought it was very really amazing discovery for me personally, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. this this book that really highlights so many of the things and not just in seaweed, there's so many things in your book. I mean I'm kind of like I have so many questions about the book because it's <laughs> It's, it's not just a simple little cookbook. It's a big comprehensive yeah. work. I mean, I want to kind of talk about this because I was impressed by the sheer scope of it. And also, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk about. But first off, I want to ask you, you were born in Tokyo and you came to New York, the United States in 2012. What brought you to America? So actually, uh, this was the interview uh, with Taro of highlighting my book and my uh -huh. work with CV. So uh, so that's why I say to, uh, 2012, I came back for the second time. Actually, I was here beforehand. Uh -huh. uh, in my uh, mid-20s, I came here as a student. And uh, I went to SUNY for two years. I got my bachelor's degree. Okay. And then, yeah. So in the 90s and 2000s, um, I was in fashion, working in the fashion uh, industry in New York City. So I didn't do any uh, family business thing my early um, age. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I went back to Japan for a few years. And then 12, uh, 2012, I came back for the second time. This time, um, your question was asking why I'm here. Yeah. Time. So that I got the job opportunity going to work for fashion again in New York City. And the job um, brought me here uh, again. And um, yeah, so that was the, yeah, that was the question to the answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you grew up, like your parents started a seaweed business in the 60s. Yeah. And you mm -hmm. saw, you saw that, you know, when you were a child, you saw them operate that. Yeah. How was that? What was it like to grow up in a business where, where you know, seaweed was being produced? And that was your family business. Yeah. So uh, my family has been curating sea vegetable um, product, um, curating all kinds of different sea, sea vegetables from different parts of Japan. And, um, you know, I, I was born in Tokyo, grew up in Saitama, which is like suburbs of Tokyo. So there was yeah. no ocean around it. But right where um, the house was right next to the seaweed factory. So I always smell like ocean. I see a month of sea vegetable getting ready to be packaged. Um, I help a lot as a child to, um, to package, to put in the boxes, to seal, anything that my parents want. All our, uh, my sisters, I have two sisters, so all of us were like pitching in to support the business uh, as a young, young kid. Um, and then, you know, my grandmothers, my, my uncle, and everybody's basically working in the family business. So it was like a 
one gigantic no it's, it's a really small company but it's like all family affairs everybody cares about seaweed and the good quality my dad always talk about you know providing seaweed to the family that kind of notion of caring making sure the good product that you want to share with your family you want to share with your customer so i think uh, i have seen a lot of pride in that business and um I don't know. A lot of love growing up with seaweeds. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds really great. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a wonderful family business to grow up in. Yeah, it's amazing. I got bullied though at school because it was really, yeah, a very unusual people, especially boys. They, I got a yeah, I got bullied a lot because of the unusual um, business to be in. In, in the area where I grew up, you know, I think huh. if you're living in the ocean side, maybe it's expected to have that kind of business, but. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know what not I mean? So much um, in, not so much in Tokyo. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's unfortunate. I think people love to look for anything to bully about. It's unfortunate though. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was good. <laughs> Now, I, I was reading in your bio, I did a lot of research on you and oh no, <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. It's oh good. And it says, um, <sighs> your work, you work as a Japanese, Japanese culinary instructor, yeah. an author, a recipe developer, food stylist, and food photographer. And you also, in addition to all this, you run an international division of your family's seaweed company, um, which <laughs> you haven't mentioned is called K seaweed. Yeah. That is a lot of hats to wear. That must be dawning. How do you manage it all? That's that's a lot of different kind of jobs. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds a lot, but it's yeah. really not. Because, you know, I, I'm just doing the same thing. Uh, almost like uh, connecting the dots. <laughs> but yeah. um, everything that I do, it's interconnected with one another. Um, I've been a... A creative person for, for a long time so doing everything um, around food is absolutely like joy for me to express my my passion and I love to share uh, where I come from uh, through food culture so it's it's been a quiet journey I wasn't really um, planning this this way, actually, when I came back for the second time, 2012, you know, I came here to do the fashion thing, but um, I miss my home food so much. I miss my family, see vegetables. And then I start um, developing this sense of, uh, I don't know, like a responsibility, what I can do to, to hone into my, my, my experience, my expertise, with people who wants to learn more about it. And I, yeah, that's how I slowly shift my career here from fashion to food. I, yeah, I didn't have any connection or work experience in food. So, um, yeah. Case for the like second time, I was reading in an interview that you had a, suit, a suitcase full of seaweed, which I understand. It makes sense to me. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, my God. Uh, 
Yes. So, um, you know, when you travel to another country, right? Yeah. The best thing sometimes, or the all, all, all the time for me, is to bring the food that I discover at the country. And every time I go to Japan, still, it's, it's my native country, but, you know, the food is so amazing. Everything, I want to bring it back, but it, there is a reg regulation, right? So I only brought back something that was not polishable, like a dry um, kombu. Um, I didn't want to run out of it. So when I pack everything to move here, I put so many different seaweeds, dry sea vegetables in my suitcase, make sure I have go-to ingredients in case of emergency. And then um, it turns out every day I was craving so much, the, the soup that we we're talking about. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my God. So it went out uh, quickly, it, it was gone. So I had to keep calling my sisters, please send me this and that. Uh, and, and, you know, they keep sending me and then I start realizing what if I'm able to do this full time, what if I get somebody to help me distributing and share my family seaweed to the people here, you know, it wouldn't be nice if kind of kicks in and. <laughs> yeah, no, cause you started talking to chefs, didn't you, about seaweed and kind of encouraging it's usage and it caught on because of this right people started using it and were like you know chefs talk to each other so like if one guy's cooking with seaweed and it's he's happy about it he's going to tell another chef and then everybody's going to know about it right is that what happened yeah so uh because i have no clue i had no connection the best thing is to go to talk to the chef right right yeah so i made an appointment with um, some of the famous uh, Japanese restaurants here and all the chefs are all very res respectful, very yeah. nice. Yeah, very supportive. And uh, they they um, spend time with me talking and how I should go this about. And then they, they told me that I need a distributor, which I had no clue at the beginning. I'm like, wow, distributor, where, where are they, you know? But apparently they were um, helping everything, um, get the F FDA approval, the transportation. Um, I have both um, frozen sea vegetable and dry sea vegetables. So the warehouse oh. is also very um, important factor of bringing the food here legally, right? Yeah, and, right. Yeah, and store properly so that the, the quality stays high. And... Um, yeah, so by talking little by little, <laughs> I, yeah, I made a baby step to um, meet these important people. And eventually one of the distributors um, signed me to, to work with me. So that's how, I, how everything started. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorth.org.
norcal.org. I, I am so excited to talk about your book because I am just, <laughs> ever since I, I got your book yesterday and I started opening it, I've been just very excited to talk to you about it because I'm, I'm just, I love the book. I love it. And it is amazing. It is so good. I want, I want to get people listening to this podcast to go out and get it because they're going to love it too. Cause it's really, it's, it energizes you. It's not just this simple cookbook with some nice pictures. It's got a lot. And it almost reminds me in some ways of like the DK books in many ways, because you're, your photography and illustrations are so good because they really highlight how to do things and they help you get in your mind how to do something you may not have done before. And like so many things like the making of the dashi, dashi and uh, different things, like you really show excellent techniques and ways to do it that are really kind of illustrated well. And it's just visually, even if you can't read the book, it's just beautiful. If you look at it, it's just a gorgeous book. And I want to ask you like, to start off with, let's go over what are Japanese superfoods? What is it? What does the title Japanese superfoods mean? So uh, what is superfood? It's, it's a big topic. Um, yes. Every, you know, everybody has different definition of superfood. Where you come from, you have different type of, you know, food that gives you best benefit. But it has been used to describe food that contains high level of health benefit, boosting immunity, reducing inflammation, and helping uh, restore and maintain gut health. Especially uh, where I come from, um, Japan, we have so many different foods that I've been eating growing up that are um, amazing health benefits. Like for instance, um, you know, miso, for instance, it provides amazing gut health. It's, it's pakrizumami. Um, the ingredients are really one of the um, oldest traditional um, the grain, the asparagus or rosé, it's, it's the fungus, but yeah. it's responsible to produce all kinds of different condiments for Japanese cuisines like soy sauce, miso, uh, vinegar, rice, uh, vinegar, uh, sake. Um, in daily basis, I, I've been eating this kind of um, amazing food since I was little. And then my mother, uh, pretty much everything, she made um, everything from home. My, my father uh, showed me how to make miso when I was little. So without knowing it, I been really enjoy the best benefit as food giving us to stay healthy. So I wanted to um, show people what are they and how to use it in the modern way so that even though you're living outside of Japan, you can make those pickles, for instance, using, uh, you know, yogurt and strobo miso to create very similar kind of flavoring pickles that I've been eating growing up for years. So that was the idea 
of introducing what you can do to use those ingredients and incorporate it in your own kitchen in America or outside of Japan. Can you talk to us about some of the different types of seaweed that you discuss in your book? Because Many of us are not aware of it too much. I mean, I know that I'm old enough that I remember when kind of seaweed was new to the United States and sushi was new. And yeah. uh, people started seeing sushi, nori wrap on, on sushis. And um, then other types of seaweed started being introduced. And now people are starting to become more aware of it. Can you tell us about some of the different types of seaweed that are used traditionally in Japanese cuisine? Yeah, of course. Um, so... The best seaweed that I will recommend you to start trying is kombu. Kombu is this long black, uh, mostly dry form that um, you see at the market. Uh, we have this long one, like about this long, or maybe you can see this little cut uh, pieces. But yeah. uh, depending on the manufacturer, they have different way of packaging, but it's all dry. It's like a stick. And those are used to provide a great savory umami flavor that I talked about before. But um, um, these are very essential Japanese cuisine that we use in variety of dishes made from kombu dashi. So um, uh, obviously miso soup, the broth that you make miso soup with is made with those uh, kombu kelp that you soak it in the water and then extract the umami flavor into the broth. And then sometimes um, uh, if you're vegan, you, you probably use kombu or shiitake mushroom uh, as a choice of your broth, but uh, commonly used with uh, katsuobushi, uh, skipjack tuna, the bonita flake, uh, mixed with um, kombu kelp really accentuates the flavor, the umami of the flavor uh, about seven to eight times more. So you have those rich aromatic savory flavor from those simple dry ingredients. And then you have the wakame seaweed. Um, have you ever heard of wakame seaweed? Yes. Yeah, okay, so you know when you have soup, right? Uh, you yep. see this piece of black, almost like a ribbon. Uh, yep. Yeah, so that's wakame seaweed. That's a different type of seaweed. It's a, it's more like a vegetable. That's a, uh, it doesn't create the broth, but it creates the texture. It's almost like a leafy vegetables. I think in America you call sea lettuce. Yes. I think it's similar. So we use uh, those seaweed to make um, like seaweed salads, um, miso soup filling. Also, samajam, it's popular to eat with tofu as a topping. So there is a recipe in my book that you just take a simple block of tofu and then put um, seaweed on top, the wakame seaweed, and drizzle homemade uh, sesame dressing. It's, it's really beautiful, easy, authentic dish that you can make at home. Yeah. And then uh, there is another seaweed called hijiki. 
So hijiki comes in two different types. One is the mehijiki, me means eyes, but also means but. So it's like a tiny little, uh, I don't know if you have seen it, but it's, it's like, um, like a rice. Yeah. Tiny little, yeah, pieces. That's mehijiki. And then, then you have nagahijiki. Naga means long. So it's like a stem hijiki. It, this one is popular for uh, bento box filling, um, uh, side dishes for bento because it's easy to hold with your chopsticks like a noodles. Yeah. So yeah, so um, that's another popular sea vegetable that we've been um, eating. Um, for you know, I want to interrupt you for a minute uh, and mention to the listeners that when you get they get the cookbook. All this has beautiful illustrations in it that are so well done because many people write cookbooks and they'll just mention the names. They'll say, oh, buy this or use this. But you really put almost like the DK books produced in, in uh, Switzerland, you know, the ones that have all the illustrations, beautiful, beautiful, multiple pictures of the seaweed in different productions. So you could really see it. So when you go to the store and you're reading this book, you'll know by a site, which is which, not just by name, right? Yeah, thank you so much. I, um, by the way, I, this was my first uh, photography book. I never. I can't believe that. That's impossible. I it's so good. Kathy, my initial editor, she really encouraged me to do the photography too and the styling. I never think I could do this. It's really amazing. And it's they, such good photography. It really is. And Taro did an amazing job really yeah making the picture come to life i have to thank them yeah well they're a good publisher anyway they produce good cookbooks i mean all their stuff is really good and they really seem to love cookbooks so you can yeah. tell yeah thank you thank you so much i didn't yeah i just i wanted it because i really am excited about that aspect of the book <laughs> is that the photography really highlights the ingredients not just the food that's being prepared but it, when you talk about each ingredient, you really show everything. And it really is just wonderful to be able yeah. to kind of have that visual identi identification. So when you go mm -hmm. to the store, you can say, oh, I want that. Yeah, I'm a very visual person yeah. more than anything. So, you know, it's, it's very important that uh, I had the good visual presentation so that people can relate because for a lot of people Japanese cuisines are very intimidating it's a restaurant food it's totally out of our reach you know and um I I wanted to tell you it's not <laughs> no and the thing is like the, the photography makes it look like something you'd get in a beautiful restaurant like a fancy elegant restaurant but oh. also it it makes it seem like it's also not impossible or prepare like if you apply the techniques in the book which are simply written so that anybody could kind of if you follow the directions you should be able to do this but then you look at the i mean the photography makes it look so elegant and beautiful so it looks like something you get in a fancy high class restaurant so oh my it's gosh. just a little bit all over the place here because it's just like it's got yeah. all this good information but that the food photography is so good I hope you win awards for for it in the coming year because it really oh is. Oh my well god, done. that's a big word, Dean. But I appreciate your um, <laughs> your positive feedback because it means. Thank you. Yeah, thank no, you. I don't think I'll be the only one. I'm not. I don't think I'm alone here. I think you're going to hear this from a lot of other people. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. 
god. Well, I want to talk about the um, chapter on quick pickles too, because I was really uh, taken with it, and it it makes it seem so much easier. Because I was really daunted by the idea of making Japanese pickles, and you make it seem so easy. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, importance of uh, pickles in like the Japanese uh, dinner time or the or the kind of daily eating? So the pickle, my love with pickles started when I was younger, you know, um, so waking up in the morning, I, uh, I have this internal clock uh, uh, where I start smelling uh, amazing dashi all over my bedroom. That's how my, my morning starts. And then I start hearing my father shaving the bonito. Um, the katsuobushi in in the shaver, you know the box. Yeah. That also, picture um, yeah. in the book. I was hearing it like um, slow shaving, and then I start hearing cut, cut, cut on the cutting board. My mother obviously cutting pickles. Um, she pickles everything, and then especially um, my favorite time of pickling was summertime. Uh, when the vegetables are so flourish and all the freshness of homegrown vegetables, like, you know, everything she pickle basically. And then um, a little morning, we just had the rice and then this, the miso soup and the pickles. So those are uh, uh, my, my morning um, feast, you know? And then because I grew up eating pickles all the time from my lunch, uh, not, not so much lunch because I had the school lunch. Right. Breakfast, I had the pickles and the nighttime I had the pickles. So now when I make dinner or breakfast, I have to have the pickles always. You know, it's an essential part, especially when you have something uh, a large amount during spring and summer, you know, you don't want to waste anything you you make pickles and then you enjoy during the harsh winter time when you when you have less vegetable available you know and um one of my my favorite pickle is the nukatsuke pickles have you ever heard of nukatsuke it's it's made I... with uh, rice bran it's yes 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 yeah i remember because i was reading about it in the book yes last night yes yeah, so that was absolutely my favorite growing up because my grandmother always made nukatsuke pickles at home. But what happened is that it's like you have to babysit. It's, um, yeah. what, uh, once or twice a day, you have to mix, keep mixing. So when yeah. we went to travel to, uh, you know, some other places away from home, my mother always asked her sisters to mix it or, you know, it was like a too much work. So, so right now I, um, I wanted to create the same kind of flavor, um, but less work or no work. So I asked my mother and then she told me to combine those two uh, fermented food that you might already have in your fridge which was miso and yogurt. And then I started making it. And then absolutely, I fell in love. And then you can also use the, the juice, the sauce to make soup afterwards, or you can even use the sauce to flavor your stir fry. 
So it's like a multi-purpose um, goodness that you can, you know, you can create from pickling to the sauces in the one, one recipe. So this one is a quick miso yogurt pickles. It's a, it's a great recipe to try if you never try Japanese pickle in, in your life. Yeah, I think for me, I, I was always daunted by the idea, but you actually make it seem possible, which is wonderful. And it's, it's something I do want to try mm -hmm. because you, you make it actually seem like something I could do. And I think in a lot of this, with like just simple tofu, for instance, I think for a lot of people, tofu is a mystery because if you don't really grow up with it, you don't know mm -hmm. how to really use it. And and I've seen, I've experienced myself cooking tofu badly and so many people in America cooking tofu badly and people are often put off by it because they, they usually serve tofu that's not well made. And your, your book really highlights it kind of as a special thing and makes it seem very easy to utilize in many different ways. Um, and I just love that. To me, it seems like this book is a book about many things. It is a book about healthy eating and 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 f f no, uh, getting knowledge about things like seaweed and and other um products from Japan that are healthy and it also seems about technique cuz there's a lot of really good illustrations on how to do things which I never would have gotten from another book a book another book may have talked about it but you really have a breakdown on it where you can see it visually and then another <laughs> another issue is an introduction to Japanese cuisine where it shows you things and how beautiful they can be and gives you an access to it. So what were you thinking when you designed, like when you first thought of the cookbook, mm -hmm. what was your initial thought and how did that change? Did it change over time or what What, what kind of went into making the book and how did you pitch it to the publisher? Oh my God, that's, that's a big topic. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh no, no, so uh, I don't know where to start, but my journey with this um, project started way before I signed the deal with um, uh, Tuttle Publishing. Yeah, someone actually uh, initially reached out to me through social media. Somebody, um, this, this publisher in UK, reached out to me because they, they saw my social media um, pictures and they were asking if I were interested in uh, producing anything with sea vegetables. Uh, long story short, I didn't get the deal. They, they thought that the sea vegetable were the topic of sea vegetable was too, uh, too niche at that time. This was before pandemic when people um, stay away from home cooking so much, you, you know what I mean? The convenience yeah. of getting out and take out are more highlighted than what we're facing right now, which is to, you know, cook your own meal, how to stay healthy, how to take care of your gut health, you know? So, so when I didn't get a deal, I, I'm telling you because it's a really amazing uh, story. And if you listen to our, our conversation, maybe you feel a little bit like energy from me that you can do anything. But so when I say no to, uh, to publishing my book, I got so dis discouraged and I was so sad. I was in Japan visiting my family. And then I decided that I drive to to the nearby mall and just taking my mind off from the subject, but I was really devastated. And um, I 
was drawn to this book uh, bookstore. This one section was like seriously thing uh, beaming in this one area from the sky. It was like really bright. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't know what, but I was drawn into this area. I just walked over there, and you you have to believe me when I say. I never seen the English written book in my neighborhood, but that day there was the book that the editor uh, produced that was her book. And you know what I mean? Yeah. um, I I start crying. I I had the overwhelming uh, appreciation for the opportunity to even submit my idea because um, if I don't give up, some some you know somewhere in the world other side of the world people might be able to pick up my book and start cooking japanese food at home you know what i mean how just like i was experiencing this book that i'm living other side of the world but get to really touch the book and read about it of course i i purchased the book and i i texted to the editor i found this book out of nowhere and I, I thank for the opportunity. So from that point, I really focusing on finding a right a publisher so that um, I was able to do this. And then um, a year later, um, yeah, I have a pleasure of meeting with Tuttle. And then I, yeah, I submit my ideas and few, um, you know, few communication back and forth. So it was started with sea vegetable cookbook but then it evolved into all category of Japanese food so that's how the book kind of evolved and changed and deformed to what is today the superfood Japanese superfood it it's an immense book because there's so much good photography in it and there's so much so many good recipes but the but there's a lot of writing like it's it's not a it's not an overly wordy book everything is like there's economy to the to the writing so that you get instructions that are clear and concise but there's a lot of it and it's comprehensive it's really like i'm not saying this to deter anybody i think this should encourage you because there's a lot of really good instruction and a lot of good information was this like how long did it take you to write this book like because I imagine just the editing and the writing process must oh much God. must have been pretty comprehensive. Oh my God! Yes. Um. So this was before pandemic. I signed the deal, and then uh, I think it's like six months after uh, everything happened, what is now, and the lockdown and everything. So during the pandemic, I have all this time to work on it because everything was delayed and um, the ingredients were uh, were hard to get and you can, you know, shop certain ingredients, you know what I mean? So it yeah. forced me to really look at this, um, this recipe that I was working on into different eyes, uh, almost like what if I can't get the certain ingredients what American people can substitute or right no I and also my teaching um uh it got me think how I can illuminate certain process 
and how I can make it simpler because I do um, teach kids how to cook uh, Japanese food. So those teaching, going back to our original conversation, everything really helps each other. You know what I mean? To write the recipe, to take the photos, how to make it easier, simpler, all related to this one level of food that I have that are supporting each other's role. Did your work in fashion, um, did that influence um, your food photography in the book at all? Oh yeah, definitely. Yes, I would say so. I travel a lot for my job and um, colors and the composition of the the placement, everything really, yeah, uh, helped what I had the background in fashion. And um, yeah, you never know this thing, right? Until you start doing it and then you realize, ah, Uh, Because I have done this before in this form that that I'm familiar with this way, or you you know what I mean? It's when you have the connection, it's so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, because um, some so oftentimes people, it's it's a lot of work just to write a cookbook, but you did both. You did the photography and and the and the writing, so that must have like added a considerable amount of. uh, back and forth between the publisher and you. It yeah. must have been quite a quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Also, I have amazing friend, also friend, uh, Sonia Grubman. Uh, she she was gracious enough to help me how to be a better writer. She's a, she has an amazing cookbook. Um, uh, she does German Jewish cookbook and um, amazing writer. She also helped me a great deal how to um, construct uh, great recipes, so I have to thank her. Uh, I recently have a, a um, event with her, but um, I've been so lucky, fortunate to to have all these um, people who are very supportive and who give uh, who give me uh, great support and insight as to how I can become better author. Yeah. So. I'm trying to think of where to start in this cookbook. I, I want, of course, want to start with pickles. But um, if you were to recommend to me um, a dish from the cookbook, do you have anything that you want to um, recommend um, to start with? Yeah, uh, definitely. Without hesitation, I would say let's start making dashi. Okay. That uh, sounds good because I'll be using yeah. it. Yeah, just because it's it's the foundation of Japanese cuisine. It's not only you make soup with it, but also you can simmer the vegetable. Um, you know, you can make a dressing. It's it's. Oh, the dressing recipe looked really beautiful. I want to try yeah. that too. That looked really good. Oh my god! Yeah, please, because it's it's a really amazing. Um, I shouldn't say that probably, but. <laughs> no, 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 it's true. No, it is. It is. It looks really good. It looks really tasty. I mean, so much of it, I was like, oh, oh, oh. Like, oh, I, I, you made me actually want to try uh, sushi, which I've never wanted to do before because it looks so hard. But you make it look possible. And like, uh, I want to try like onigiri. You make it look possible. And so much in there, including like you even where it managed to provide a really good dessert chapter, which I was surprised by. And that was really good. And I was very oh, impressed yeah. by the whole thing. Oh yeah, I even use my dashi in uh, one of the matcha um, cheesecake recipe. I actually, uh, on the weekend, 
I work at Enoteca Maria. I don't know if you have heard of it. There is an amazing restaurant in uh, Staten Island where uh -huh. grandmother comes and cook their, their cultural food to share their heritage. So I am actually Japanese nonna there. So I, <laughs> so I don't have a grandkids yet, but um, you have to be above 50. And then, um, yeah, so I share my, a uh, lot of my recipes from the book and matcha cheesecake is one of their uh, most popular dishes. So <laughs> no, all just really just solid, good dessert recipes in there as well. And just um, among everything else, it's just, it, I'm still like kind of, I'm going to be reading it all week. So it's going to be like oh. a lot. <laughs> I'm like setting up my shopping list for the next few weeks too. Oh, nice. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. Oh, I will. I will. And also I want to ask you as I'm just, do you, who are some of the cookbook writers that you like to follow? Oh, um, yeah, actually, I am the biggest fan of uh, Debra Samuel. She, um, she's actually my mentor and she's amazing cookbook author. And uh, I personally try her recipes um, through my work because she developed the program for um, this nonprofit Table for Two, the wonderful organization. And I truly enjoy her recipes and then her cookbooks. So yeah, uh, if you have heard of it, heard of her name, yeah, you should check it out. And then also, um, Sonia's cookbook is also amazing. She's an amazing uh, writer, but also her recipes are very easy to follow. Um, so those are the cookbook author I, I personally like and try making from the book. Yeah, I'm actually planning to make her uh, Sonia's uh, potato, potato salad recipe from her um, grandfather. I like the recipe that has story like that, you know, because yeah, it's easy. Me too. You know what I mean? Why, oh, why yeah. do you try to make it? Because uh, there's there a story behind it. It makes it so personal. And um, yeah, I like that. Definitely. Yumi, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk yeah. to you. Thank yeah. you for being here today. Thank you so much. All right. It was my conversation with Yumi Kamatsudera about her new book, Japanese Superfoods. We have links in the bio to purchase this book. If you at all are interested in Japanese cuisine, having a healthier diet, or just plain learning new cooking techniques, check this book out. You're going to want it. It's no hype. It's, it's the real deal. Go out and get a copy of this now at new, all better bookstores. On Monday, we're going to have my conversation with Maggie Xu about last year's breakthrough book, Chinese Homestyle. Um, she also has the Omnivores Cookbook website. Um, it's just a wonderful cookbook, and I highly recommend it. Um, you're going to love my conversation with uh, Maggie. That'll be on Monday. I hope you're all having a wonderful year so far and are able to cook a lot of wonderful things uh, from maybe someone from one of the cookbooks you've heard about on this program. Until Monday, keep on cooking. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.